Welcome to another episode of the Rock and Road Podcast. This is Leona Graham. This is Season 6, Episode 5. And on this edition, you will hear from Glenn Matlock of the Sex Pistols about the Sex Pistols and his solo work as well. I'm going to review a Hyundai Bayonne, a compact SUV. And my son Harley and I head to the Creed 3 preview screening, a great new movie. So first of all, let's hear from Glenn Matlock. Please welcome Glenn Matlock. How are you? Not so bad. How are you doing, Leona? Where are yeah. you? Where am I? Or... Yeah. Oh, I'm in a studio in Wimbledon. Oh, in Wimbledon. All right. Yes. So, yeah. Whereabouts South are you? South London. I'm in... Yeah, South London. Where are you? I'm in Maidenhall, London. Oh, very nice. At home, yeah. Okay. Um, can you tell us so, what you've been up to? You've got a new album coming out. I've got a new album coming out. I've been doing loads of press for it. I've been doing a few gigs. Um and uh, yeah, the album's coming out at the end of April. We've got a single out now called Head on a Stick, which I was quite pleased. I'm mates with Steve Bray, you know, in Parliament Square. And I sent it to him and he played it outside Parliament. So I was quite <laughs> about it. Is it quite a political album then? Not all of it, but there's an element to it. And um, I'm not happy about Brexit. I know it might be crying over spilt milk, but I think it's the most stupid thing this country's ever done. Can't see any benefit to it, and I think the people who perpetrated it on this should be held to account and suffer the consequences. And the album's called Consequences Coming, and I think they're all going to come unstuck at the next election, even if they last that long. Hopefully, so, that's um, what my wish is. I'm going to write to Santa about it. There's right. some Brexit themes in the album, then. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But you know, sort of take they they, they just seem to want to keep everybody in the place even more so all the time, and I was renowned for being a bit of a punk rocker in the past, and I like to think I still am. It's stuff that's been on my mind for the past three or four years, really, you know. You can see yeah. things through, and, and you have ideas. You don't necessarily finish them all off. But then in lockdown, I'd sort of done the bulk of the recording just before lockdown, which was a bit annoying, really, because that's the exact time you could be making a record. But then I revisited it and wrote a couple more songs, I don't know, some people might think it's old-fashioned. I think it's kind of sort of timeless rock and roll, really. I so the album like... is out in April, and you had some guest performers on it? Yeah. I've got um, my coterie of rock and roll chums. Um, got Clem Burke plays on a couple of tracks. He plays on the single. Uh, El Slick plays lead guitar on quite a lot of the stuff. This guy, Hotai, this Japanese guy, he's like the Jeff Beck of Japan, and he wrote the Kill Bill theme tune. He's oh, wow. on a track that we, we co-wrote, actually. So there's that. And then I've got Norman Watt Rifle and Blockheads plays bass on a lot of it. Not all of it. I play bass on some. And then some of my regular band, Chris Musto, James Hallowell, plays with Walter Boys, um, Neil X, who plays with Mark Arman these days and used to be in ZZ's band. But they're all chums, you know. They, they sort of sound like their names, but they're mates. And we've all done stuff together in different shapes and forms over the years. So... You know, what I like about being a musician is, like, you can have some success and all that, but for every successful record, there's loads of stuff where people have got together in different shapes and forms and had to go out doing something. And sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it clicks and nothing happens to it. And sometimes something happens to it and it wasn't very good in the first place. But you never know until you give it a go. Musicians will always give it a go. They don't be over out. Yeah, and it's nice to get paid, but, you know, I mean, the guys have got on it. 
I've sort of promised them the earth, and if they're lucky, they end up with a cappuccino and a sticky bun, and they still do it, you know. Yeah, so it's really great. I'm, I'm quite sort of pleased about that, really. Um, yeah, yeah. But I do and the same for them, you know. It's it's it's, it's what goes around. It's sort of mutual, mutually benevolent. Yeah. Trust. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds good to me. Yeah, like, yeah, like, co- like the co-op, you know, except we don't have those. Remember those old, my nanny used to have these funny, not green shoes, stuff, but there used to be a little tiny metal tokens you got given. You're too young for that. But <laughs> I was probably a bit young for that, but the co-op gave them out. And you, you, you get enough of them, and they were all different shapes and sizes. You can get, like, cork powder cheese or something like that, or some spam. So <laughs> you are the, you're the musical version of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, just in, in terms of paying for my right. <laughs> Coming on to TV just for a moment. Um, have you seen the show Pistol? Yeah. And what did you make of that? Pants. Oh, right. Okay. Were you involved like in the making of it then? Obviously. Well, I, I had discussions with them, and I had certain assurances, and then I was ignored. So I'm a bit annoyed about it. So. Okay. No, I mean so, it's out. I thought it was important that Steve got to tell his story. I saw him in Los Angeles. He said, what do you think? I said, mate, you've got a shocking memory. You know, so. So what's your version of events? Where does it differ? Well, it's the main thing. It's about my leaving the band. It's this whole thing about me being sacked. And it's not true. I left. I left because I didn't like the way John was going. And with his political allegiances, he's been declaring. I think I understood, you know, when you can't quite put your finger on something, I think I've realised why. So, so you quit the band. You didn't leave, uh, despite what the TV show portrays. Yeah. But so you didn't get get booted out, despite what the no, TV show. I, I, portrays. Le- I left. I left. Okay, whether okay. it was that, whether it was a good idea or not is a totally another discussion. But um, I left. You know. And then, do you, then do you regret leaving? When we have reformed, they could have asked anybody else in the world to play bass, and they've always asked me. So. Do you regret leaving back then? Then. Not really. It's what you do as a young man. You know, I was always busy. I formed a band called the Rich Kids with Mitch Year and me and um, Rusty Egan, Steve Neer. We had our moment in the sun, then I went straight from that to touring America and Europe, making an album, Viggy Pop. I've always been pretty busy in some shape or form and got to play with some fantastic people. I mean, through doing the Rich Kids thing, I got um, the, the guy who produced it, it was a guy called Mick Ronson, you probably heard of. He used to be in the Spiders from Mars with Bowie and played with Dylan and all that. And he used to call me up and do sessions and things and stuff. In fact, not many people know this. He called me up once. He said, Glenn, I'm going to form a band. I said, who are you going to get? And he said, well, um, I think there's Simon Kirk on drums. He's been a bad company. Paul Rogers. I went, oh, where are you going to get on bass? He said, well, I'm thinking of asking you. <laughs> so Mick Ronson said that to me, you know, when I'm about 25. Wow. I'm like, wow. Didn't happen, but. One yeah. of those ideas, you know, with people have a go at getting something together. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. And what was it like back in the day working in the shop with Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren? Yeah, it was all right. It was, it was a nice little earner for the time. It was very interesting. It was the epicentre of what became, what was really going on in London in about 19, late 74, 75, early 76. Um, nearly everybody came through the doors went on to do something of a consequence with those fashion designers or musicians or photographers or graphic artists or, you know, other people in bands. 
so it was the place to be. Um, and it was kind of a bit by luck, a bit by happenstance, but I also forced myself as a young man to kind of be there, really, you know. So, yeah, sounds yeah. like an exciting time and lots of independent shops, not like it is now, every high street looking the same. It sounds like a really unique experience. Yeah, I mean, you go, you don't go down to King's Road now. You might as well go to Wembley High Street. You know, it's it's, it's nothing wrong with Wembley High Street. Well, it is really. It looks like <laughs> the King's Road these days. So. Yeah, everything looks the same, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but back to music. So you've been touring, a touring member of Blondie as well. Yes, I have. And you know what? I'm not talking too loudly because I've got this other little thing coming up. In fact, I always going to be helping people out at the last minute. There's a tour coming up called The Lust for Life Tour, and Tony Sowles, who played bass on it, was supposed to be doing it. Um, there's some other people, and then he could do it at the last minute. So they called me up, so I said, oh, I'm going to do it. But Clambert from Blondie's playing drums on it, and he arrived yesterday, and he's in my back room. And I don't know if he's gone up and gone out, or if he's still got jet lag. Oh, so wow. I'll find out in a bit. Yeah, yeah, um, you are credited as writing 10 of the songs on the first Sex Pistols album. Yeah. Um, which one is your favorite out of them? Hmm. I think Anarchy, which I co wrote with John, and then Pretty Vacant, which I wrote really. Uh, um, but you know, some of the songs I'm credited on it's maybe more Steve's like this, but that was the way it kind of went. But yeah, you know, the, certainly the first three singles, I had a quite a strong hand in writing yeah are you a petrol head at all well i was until about a year and a half ago i had a nice jag xf which i'd finally just paid for it was a diesel i'd never had a diesel before i was always a bit worried about them um but you know it had start stop technology and all that when the new ulez thing came in i thought oh it's a shelter and it didn't so now i've got a tesla 3 Oh, which I'll finish paying for when I'm seventy. I, I know they are outrageously <laughs> expensive. Um, well, it's not the really expensive one, but it's um. But you know what? It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. It's like a cross between driving a Dodgeman car and a sort of Space Invaders game. Yeah, it and doesn't feel real, does it? It's weird enough for me. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's, but the it's dashboard's kind of, just so basic. It's just a steering wheel and a screen, isn't it? It is. But do you know what you got when you stop? If it's a cold day, you can search through the um, you know, the settings, and it's got a log fire. And it, even through the speakers, it makes the crackling noises. Now, not many cars do that. That'd be so too relaxing. Kind of cool. I've, I've always liked old cars. I've, I've got um. I used to, many years ago, I had an old 1956 Sunbeam Tower, which was like a tank. And then I've had three Sunbeam Alpines at different stages. And I had a Mark One, you know, with the big fins on the back. So when I was touring Veggie Pop, I had it in the garage next to my mum and dad's place. And then the, the guy passed away. And they had nowhere to put the car because somebody else bought the house. And it was out the lane out the back and it was blocking all the other cars. So my dad sold it. Oh, I come back and I said, you sold it. How much? You know, this was in the days before mobile phones and stuff. And I said, how much you get for it? He said, £750. I went, what? And he said, yeah, not bad for an old car. There was only seven left in the country. Oh. So I wish I still had that. Oh, but, that is a shame. 
But I don't really, I don't really like too many cars these days. But if I did have a petrol head car and I had the money, I'd either have an old Bristol. In fact, they do a Series Six, which was like a remade. I think it's a six eleven, or an Aston Martin Rapide. Oh, very nice choices. So they're kind of cool. Well, that's great to talk to you about cars and music. And uh, do you know what date the album is out so we can take a look at it? It's the it's coming out online on the 27th of April. And it's physically coming out on the 28th of April. I don't know why there's a difference. The single Head on a Stick is out now on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes and all that kind of modern malarkey, which kind of eludes me a little bit. But you know what? I think it's jolly good. So, we will hopefully see you live soon and look forward to hearing the new album. Yeah. All right. Thank you, my love. Thank you. This week, I was loaned a Hyundai Bayon, a compact SUV. First of all, we'll see what the family thought of it. I think it's really good, really soft, and I love the motorised noise that makes a loud noise and it sounds like a real good engine because it goes like really goodly. Okay, and Harley? Um, I really like the um, how it's set up. It's quite modern with a large screen so that you can... You know, it feels nice and modern. But um, I also like how there's a charging port back here for, you know, in, in the long journeys. But um, I think that the fact that it's manual, like, nothing against manuals, but, like, it is slightly more difficult to drive. And me, myself, I prefer an automatic. <laughs> <laughs> in all your driving experience? Well, yeah, you know, I drive you to school and stuff. I don't think you're going to say that when you're 17, though, because manuals are much more fun. He's an idiot. And Sasha, who's uh, driving it at the moment, what do you think? Am I allowed to talk and drive? (laughs) 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 Uh, No, I like this car. I like that it's little. I quite like little cars at the moment. Why is that? Um... I suppose because it's mainly only me and Dexter in the car nowadays, so it's easier to get about and it's cheaper for a smaller car. You mentioned the clutch earlier. Yeah, the biting point's quite high on the clutch, so that took a bit of getting used to. I like the look of the car. I like all the buttons. I like the heated seat. I'm not sure if it's got a heated steering wheel. I haven't found that yet. It's easy to connect the phone. I like the big screen. Yeah, I like the car. I fit loads of shopping in the boot. When I went to Tesco's, I could put about six bags of shopping in the boot, and the boot's small, but it fitted loads in it. We um, had trouble getting all the golf clubs in, though. <laughs> Some of the longer golf clubs we had to have on our lap in the back seat. Yeah, it was quite a squeeze. It's a close shave. Oh, nice little welcome noise. Uh, so you heard from the family there. Let's see what uh, I think of the car uh, without them with me. First of all, just to tell you, this costs around £25,000. Uh, it's got 17-inch alloy wheels, and this is called the Bayon Ultimate. This is a mild hybrid, uh, so you don't have to charge it up. Uh, it charges itself and uses electric power as and when it can. This would be uh, a nice small car for if you were to buy your first car and um, you know you couldn't afford some of the ridiculous prices that they are now but it's still a lot of money 25 grand it does have cruise control electric mirrors heated it does have a heated steering wheel sasha just noticed it's on the list uh parking sensors privacy glass and a rear view camera 
Let's have a look at this screen, which is a 10.25 inch navigation with blue ink and map care. It's got both speakers as well. Obviously, Android Auto, Apple CarPlay comes as standard in a lot of cars now, and a wireless phone charging pad. Uh, let's press media. What does that bring up? DAB and FM. You can add USB music, Bluetooth audio, sounds of nature. Hmm. We're in a lively forest, this one's called. Oh, let's try outer space. How does that signify space? I don't know. Oh, it's quite relaxing. Not sure if it's the best thing to drive to. Uh, let's try this one on a sailing ship. I think I'd rather just have the waves without that little bit of music, but it's nice. Okay, anyway, a whole selection of uh, background music you can have there. What else have we got in media? USB video. Wow. Let's go on to radio. Oh, no, don't want LBC, thanks. Uh, let's go up to the A's. This is modern Britain. Robin, you convey it. Ah, oh, that's better. A bit of absolute radio. Okay. Let's take her out for a spin. Reverse off the drive. That's the car warning me about the tree. Unfortunately, my drive has a massive tree as you exit. But uh, we've only scratched it once. <laughs> okay. Not this car, though. That's lovely sounding. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Hyundai. Every single Hyundai I have been loaned, I have loved. And uh, yeah, obviously I prefer the bigger ones, but this is a nippy little blighter. It corners fantastically well. Uh, we've driven it into London and uh, it's fantastic. Bit of lane swapping, last minute decisions. It's really good for that. Uh, the biting point is quite high as I am bringing the clutch out, my knee's practically touching the steering wheel. Compact is how I would describe the back seat, but you know, in theory, you can get is it for three people, yeah, you can get three people in it in the back. Uh, children probably would be more comfortable. Um, and the boot size for a small car, as we've said, is actually decent. Lots of controls on the steering wheel, um, which just make driving easier. Physical handbrake, put into neutral, press off. The, uh, the pedals, the clutch, the brake and the accelerator and lovely chrome, sporty looking pedals. Overall, I really like this car. I can highly recommend it. Back in the studio now. Now this car is a competitor with the Seat Aroma, VW T-Cross, Vauxhall Mocha, that kind of range. It's a compact SUV. 
I love the outer appearance of this. It's got really groovy kind of zigzag tail lights and very sporty looking for a smaller car. So I would recommend this, but I've always loved Hyundai's. I noticed there's an advert on Absolute Radio saying how you should pronounce it. And I think I'm pronouncing it wrong, but anyway, I'll stick with Hyundai for now. There is a cheaper model of this. I was driving the premium. I think it's called the SE Connect and you can get one of these for just over £20,000, which I think is really reasonable. So if you want a smaller family car within a decent price range, this could be fantastic. Have a look at the photographs of it on the Rock and Road podcast social media pages. Now, my son Harley and I were invited to Creed 3, the multimedia preview screening. So what happens is, with new movies, is they invite lots of media people to come along and review a film before it comes out. And so we were lucky enough to go to that. And in preparation, Harley watched all of the Rocky films and then he watched, well, me and him watched Creed 1 and 2 at the weekend just gone. Uh, so that we were all set for Creed 3. I must say the Creed films 1 and 2 are fantastic. Uh, we took the London Underground into central London last night and there was a mad rush uh, to get there in time after school. And we were really excited about the whole thing. So um, let's cross now to us in London. Now, before Creed, this is one of the reasons we were rushing, is we have come to the ultimate meal out. It's particularly for Harley. It is Angus Steakhouse. Yeah. It's part of growing up, you've got to go to an Angus Steakhouse, and Harley loves steak. We've treated ourselves to the best one that the waiter has advised, which is the fillet, haven't we? Yeah. He's gone for the 10 ounce. And you've gone for the 8 ounce. I've gone for the 8. And um, yeah, we're really, really excited. Photographs to follow. So we had two amazing steaks. Harley had his medium rare. Mine was medium. They were perfect. Then we went over to Cineworld Leicester Square. You have to put your mobile phone in a bag before the film starts to prove that you are not recording any of it because it's a preview screening, all top secret. But we are allowed to talk about the film. And uh, this is what we thought when we came out. Uh, we've literally just left the cinema after seeing Creed 3. We deliberately haven't spoken to each other, so we get our instant reactions on the recording. Harley, what did you make of Creed 3? It was an excellent film and it's highly recommended. Yeah, what did you like about it and what didn't you like about it? I liked the plot, the, the cast was really good, and um, the I liked the basis of the film, the boxing, and then the final fires incredible yeah. I was disappointed that Sylvester Stallone wasn't in it as Rocky because that was the common thread through all of the other films uh, but I was pleased to see at the end that he actually produced it so at least he was still involved in it yeah um, he's produced all of the Rocky films and Creed films yeah so why wasn't he in it he's probably just too old did he just write himself out this time because he just thought well I've done my bit yeah and also they're in um, like Los Angeles and he's down in Philadelphia Okay, yeah, that's true. I mean, I just, I did miss Rocky. Um, what confused me at the beginning was the fight scene at the beginning was a recap of um, one of his other fights, but it looked like they refilmed it. And then I was thinking, was it with a different film company? Did you notice he looked different? That wasn't a recap, that was a rematch. What do you mean it was a rematch? Yeah, in the first film, he fights um, um, Liverpool guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah. And then... Um, and he lost, technically, because um, split decision. So then um, he rematched with him in the beginning of the third film. And then he won. Oh, but it was still set in the past? Yeah. Okay, I found that a bit confusing. That's because you can't read. It said, like, you know, it didn't say present day. 
<laughs> Look, if you go and see this, I'm sure you'll be confused. Um, okay, so then we move on to the present day plot. But then it had to go back, way back in time from when he was a child. And then this whole subplot began. And then it made sense for the current plot of the film. I mean, we were in there for two hours solid. And did you feel like you wanted to go? Were you irritated by it at all? Or did you just love it? I really loved it. The only issue was that I was wearing jeans through the whole thing, so I wasn't comfy. <laughs> yeah, Harley likes to wear tracksuits and I made him wear jeans, so you just thought you'd have a little dig there, didn't you? Yeah. Um, okay, so do we think everyone should go and see Creed 3? Do they think, do you need to watch the other two first? Yeah, um, because, you know, you were confused even though we watched, uh, like, the first two, like, two days ago. So, obviously, you know, someone who hasn't seen the first two would have no clue. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, go, go and uh, go and watch it. And then you actually saw all of the Rocky films recently. How many are there if you don't count the Creed ones? Um, six, uh, but it's Rocky up to five and then Rocky Balboa when he's like old, old. Okay, so you're like the absolute expert now because you've literally just watched all the Rocky films really recently. And out of those six plus the Creed three makes nine, which is the best one? So... Creed is, all the Creed films are great, but they they don't come close to Rocky films. Rocky Balboa was rather boring. Rocky V was kind of underrated, but it didn't it didn't feel the same because he was old and it was just a street fire at the end. Um, Rocky IV, I feel, is a little bit overrated. Everyone acts like Rocky IV is the best one because it is really good. But I think um, Rocky II, um, his rematch against um, Apollo Creed was my favourite film. Excellent. In the Creed film just now, I noticed they didn't use any of the Rocky music, which I also missed. You know, the da 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 um, They did. Uh, when he won, because um, there's like that bit that you just sung, and there's the bit like, if you listen to it a little bit longer, it did go on to um, play that bit when he won. Oh, so they just reworked a bit of it, the song, did they? They missed out the good bit? Yes. Right. I didn't notice that. And that's why I brought in this younger, newer version of me to do the reviews, because you notice more. All right, well, thank you very much, Harley. Thank you very much, Leona. And uh, it's goodbye for me. Goodbye from me. Say goodbye from her. Just goodbye from me. I'm the star of the show here. No, but that's the joke. You've got to say goodbye from her. That's... No, we've missed the tube station. Where are we going? Why am I following you? I'm following you. What the hell? <laughs> Where are we? Oh, we've gone past it. We turned right to the left, didn't we? Yeah. Anyway, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from her, me. Well, thank you once again for listening to the Rock and Road podcast, which is back very soon, featuring the full chat with Richie Sambora that I did recently. You've heard clips so far on various different radio shows of mine, but now you can hear the whole thing. That is coming soon. I'm also going to be going on a very special trip to Ireland to drive a new Maxus electric van across Ireland, which is going to be really exciting, and I'll tell you more about that soon. In the meantime, please like, review and rate wherever you're listening to this podcast and follow me on the socials at Rock and Road Pod.